So that safety culture has nothing to do with seniority and everything to do with accountability. You're listening to WorkShift, a podcast from the Workers' Compensation Board of Nova Scotia. Hello and welcome to WorkShift. My name is Shelley Rowan. I'm the interim CEO of WCB Nova Scotia. If you've listened to the show before, you've heard us talk about how the WCB works with a wide range of partners across the province and across the country to help support the work we do, to help keep Nova Scotians safe at work. One of the most important partnerships we have is with our provincial government, as they help guide the priorities for the province and set the tone on what it's like to live and work here in Nova Scotia. I'm delighted to have two leaders from the government of Nova Scotia in the studio with me today. Ava Zappale is the Deputy Minister of the Department of Labor, Skills and Immigration, and previously served as the Deputy Minister and CEO of the Office of Immigration and Population Growth. April Howe is Deputy Minister of the Department of Fisheries and Aquaculture. April is a champion for diversity and inclusion, both in her role as Deputy Minister and within the broader community. She shares her expertise with other organizations to help create the conditions for true inclusivity in the workplace. Ava and April, welcome to the studio. Thank you so much. We're so thrilled to be here. Thanks, Shelley. Pleasure to be here. First of all, I know when you try to think about it, government can seem a bit overwhelming. And how things work within government can sometimes feel somewhat mysterious. So let's start by talking about what a deputy minister actually does for those who may not know. Uh, the role of a deputy minister, well, uh, it is a big job, no matter the size of the department. Uh, I would say the comparison that I would use would be it's um, sort of like being a CEO of an organization. It is very much operational. Um, we are not the politicians. Uh, we are the folks that ensure that the organization runs as it should. Uh, but the deputy is very, very focused on the operations of a department and making sure that we're fulfilling uh, the needs of Nova Scotians, depending on what your respective department is, um, and that we're delivering services. So everything April said is true and correct. I would just say that uh, where where our role does also include helping the ministers uh, implement their mandate. So the government... Um, runs and gets elected on a particular mandate. And the way they operationalize that is they write a mandate letter for each minister. So in simple terms, what it means for me in April is that we have to sit down and say, okay, how do we use all the resources at our disposal within this department to help our minister achieve a direction in the mandate letter? It's very interesting. I kind of had two visuals in my head as you were talking. One was a lot of plates spinning. <laughs> and I don't mean out of control. I mean, you had it all in control. Sometimes. Okay, all in control. <laughs> I see both of you in control. And, uh, and balance, uh, balancing priorities, balancing issues, balancing supporting your minister and your department. Lots of complexity in there. Lots and lots of complexity. So in both of your roles, you have wide portfolios that cover wide-ranging impacts for our province, and particularly when it comes to shaping and influencing our workplaces and, and culture. And safety culture is one thing, of course, that, we're, uh, that we think a lot about. And in my time working in the workplace safety business, I found that almost everyone I meet 
who works in this field, they have a story. They have a, a moment or an experience that they went through that helped them understand why for them this work is so important. And I know that that's true for both of you as well. So I wondered if you could share with us um, the moments you've had that help shape your understanding of just how important workplace safety really is. I would say that I've, I really have had two very moving um, experiences. Um, one is much more recent, and it really had to do with um, my early days in this, this role as deputy minister and the first time that the lobster season opened. So I was very excited. Dumping day, they call it, is a really, really big deal. Uh, if you go to Southwest Nova Scotia, <laughs> dumping day is, it's quite a sight to see all the boats on the water and, and all of that. And so um, I was really excited. So it got off to a great start. It was as, as wonderful as I'd hoped it would be. And then I think it must have been either that evening or perhaps the next day, we got word of a lost fisherman at sea. This was my first experience with a work-related death. And I have to be honest with you, I didn't see that coming. I did not anticipate in my career that that's something I would have to deal with. And so the fra frailty of life and the importance of safety became very acute in that moment. And so in a way, if there's anything <laughs> good <clears throat> to come out of this, and let's be frank, not much can come out of, good can come out of something like that, but... It really uh, straightened me out. If, if there was anything that I was lacking in understanding around safety, um, I got in line extremely quickly. And it was really a game changer for how I approach the work. But that was a really transformational moment for me. I can't help but feel like the, the call to action is to not be okay with the next one. Absolutely. It's an incredible that that feeling of responsibility and um, and hopelessness. It all of that. It is an incredible moment. And it, it's a wonderful story. Thank it's a wonderful you. story. Thank you. And Ava. And Ava, thank you Yeah, thanks for sharing that, April. Um, well, uh, my last name's Zappale, and, and so my grandfather immigrated through Pier 21 um, 101 years ago. He was a coal miner in Hungary, and Nova Scotia was uh, campaigning for immigrants, and especially immigrants to work in coal mines in Sydney and Spring Hill. So my grandfather um, walked, according to my father, walked from Hungary to France, took a boat from France to um, Halifax, and when he arrived in Halifax, got on a train to Spring Hill. And he worked in the coal mines in Spring Hill for 40 years till that occupation took its toll. So I never did meet him. But I, ke I kept him close in my thoughts uh, when I heard that I was going to be 
uh, deputy minister for labor skills and immigration, which includes safety. But I, I also listening to April um, and growing up in uh, southwest Nova Scotia all my life, um, a shout out to Barrington Passage, but mm -hmm. it's a lobster fishing community. And the vast majority of, of kids in my class were the kids of lobster fishermen, mostly men at the time. And uh, my mom was a principal of an elementary school in Shelburne County, a very small remote elementary school where everybody fished. And on dumping day, my mom would get us up at before the crack of dawn, take us out to her school or the wharf nearest her school for the blessing of the fleet. And we always kind of wondered why mom wasn't in a festive spirit. Mm. And the reason that it wasn't festive was that uh, back in the 70s, you could see the boats were loaded very high and you could see that fishermen didn't have safety gear on. And someone like my mom would be looking at it knowing that some of her kids would lose a loved one that season. And so it was a somber moment for my mom. She, she I don't know that she spelled it out to us, but I remember um, April mom having kind of the reaction that you may have had like like year after year. And so so I did feel like um, the, the responsibilities in my heart, it's not a tick list or a, it's not a strategy or a, it's not a, a thing that I have to do. It's in my heart that I, 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 I think there's been a lot of wonderful and valuable work in the workplace safety. The fact that we can get lobster fishers to wear um, uh, personal flotation devices and to attend work, you know, the dockside safety workshops that are given and that kind of thing. Um, that is night and day difference from the community where I grew up, where safety was not even spoken about. So I think we've come very far, but one death is one death too many, and we need to keep going and, and keep working with communities and, and um, all those involved to make sure that safety is prioritized. I want to give a shout out to uh, WCB and, and Ava, you and your team. Um, I just sort of came along and safety culture was, uh, it, it's been transformed over the years. Um, I've had the opportunity to really look at the history of the transformation. And it is unbelievable. It, it you know, transformation is truly the best word for it. Uh, it's very rare now that you will see anybody on the water without um, a PFD on. And how do you think that thinking shapes the leadership role that you have in your departments? How, because it's in your core. I, I, I heard you say, Ava, it's not, it's not a strategy or a plan. Um, I might put some operational things in that I'm going to do, but it's not, that's not what drives it. Well, I think just from the stories we've just shared that uh, front of mind is that, um, uh, every individual lost is one too many and their people and and their loss has uh, widespread um, impacts on families and relatives and friends and communities and we have to keep that in mind um, just picking up on on what you said about shared responsibility Shelley I just wanted to remind listeners that the foundation of our occupational health and safety system here in Nova Scotia is the internal responsibility system, which recognizes that everyone has a role to play in safety. And so um, while we have the safety branch within labor skills and immigration, um, the, the branch itself is really about working with our, all of our friends and partners and communities to um, focus on safety culture and the shared responsibility that everyone plays in ensuring 
that there is that culture of safety so that uh, we all want people to come home safe, as you said. And April, what are your thoughts? As a leader, my approach to that is, A, you have to see your employees as individuals. We can't just say, you know, my employee base, every one of them is an individual, and you have to care about each and every one of them. Um, and that the accountability for that safety culture lies on me. Now, Ava has shared, and I agree, and you've also shared that everybody is responsible for safety culture. However, personally, as a leader, I also have to own that. Uh, and so I take that part of the role very seriously, and I leave no wiggle room. You just have to be kind of a pain in the butt about safety. You just have to be a pain in the butt about safety. And it just needs to matter. And so if you start with that as your core, the rest will show up. The rest of it will show up. I don't, I'm not the one that's coming up with the policies. I'm not the one that's, you know, thinking about the strategies. I'm not doing that. But I do know if your PFD is not buttoned the way that, or buckled the way that it should be, I'm going to call you out, right? Um, but also the person that's maybe not in a senior role has just as much right to call you out. So that safety culture has nothing to do with seniority and everything to do with accountability. So as a leader, I need to make sure that everybody knows that you're equally responsible. And if you are at, you know, a role in the organization that may not be a senior, you still have as much right to speak on safety as anybody else. When we go back to the conversation about the fishing sector, I think that's actually a big part of what's happened, that um, in the incredible progress that that sector has made in the last 10 years, um, they, uh, they really have adopted that industry-wide organization-wide, it's across all the people. It's not just the department. It's not just the captains. It's everybody. And to shift a culture in 10 years, any kind of culture, that's pretty remarkable. It is. And Shelley, I was just going to ask you if you had those numbers in, in the top of your mind, because uh, they're quite impressive. They're quite impressive. When you look at the rate of people who were hurt that are working in the industry, it's less than half of what it was 10 years ago. And that's all due to the work of all the people across the sector, all the leaders across the sector coming together and working together to get to a different outcome. And, and we're starting to see um, that in other sectors as well. So Ava, I, I want to touch on some of the work that's underway in, in uh, home care and long-term care. And over the years, I've had the opportunity while working with the WCB to partner with government to support different initiatives, including the workplace safety initiatives, that, a program that's currently underway in long-term care, home care, and disability support. Well, I wonder, Ava, if you would share with us some of the work that's underway within your department to address these challenges. Yeah, thanks for the question, Shelley. And I, I was thinking about our population growth and how we're attracting more people than ever from all over the world to come here and work um, in healthcare, in skilled trades, and in a number of other areas. But um, definitely our marketing campaign and our, our global approach is to really promote health, the healthcare sector. And so a couple of comments that I have on that before directly answering mm -hmm. your question. One is that uh, 
we're attracting people from many different cultures and many different who speak many different languages as their first language. And so if if we are diversifying our healthcare sector in a very rapid way, we need to also be aware that people have different um, different understandings of what's safe at work. And so we need to meet people where they are and make sure that they can work safely in the context that we have here in Nova Scotia. It might mean th simple things like translating um, uh, like emer emergency and, and um, first aid kinds of information. Um, it might mean helping people um, uh, quickly upgrade uh, their language skills to the point where they feel safe and comfortable at work and we feel safe and comfortable that they're at work but really uh keeping a very sharp eye on on safety in the healthcare sector is extremely important um so we are working closely with the healthcare sector um not only with newcomers but with people who are working in the sector and have been for some time um, we're focusing right now on home care and disability support and long-term care and on more proactive work to identify hazards and to mitigate them. So to your point about the fishery sector, working with the healthcare sector in the same way, trying to reduce the number of, of workplace injuries. So we know that injury rates are higher in this sector, and, and they are. Um, there's a lot of lifting and, and potential for slips and falls and that kind of thing. And so we're working with the sector to address that. And um, Shelley, you'll know that we're seeing some very positive uh, early results and it just shows that that hands-on approach and practical approach uh, around injury prevention um, is already working. So we'll continue with that and uh, work closely with our partners in the, the healthcare sector to, to um, expand on what we can do. And also when people are injured, um, help them return to the workplace as, as soon as they're able, perhaps in different capacities, uh, depending on, on what their injuries are, but helping them get back to the workplace. That's really excellent. And and you're right, we have seen progress in 2022 in particular, where we saw fewer people working in home care and long-term care actually injured on the job. And those who were started to go back to work more quickly. So really, really good progress. Nova Scotia's population growth, you would know these numbers better than I on how uh, how how we improved in the last couple of years. And uh, and doing that by attracting and, and retaining people that are going to help meet our labor market needs. Um, I, I always tell, well, recently I've been telling the staff at LSI that we've added a Sydney to our population. So they say, so yeah, <laughs> Great way they've to asked me to it. stop saying that because I think we've, we've gone bigger than a Sydney now. But we, we have grown our population by 32,000 people in the last year. So there's a lot of work to do with our newcomers to make sure that they um, understand the context of the, the environment that they're working in and the role that they play uh, in workplace safety and the importance of that role. It's really important that their voices be heard and that we um, we welcome those voices as well. Yeah, very interesting. And April, the, the, the whole immigration goals of the government or of our province, how does that um, work within your department as well? I know it has an impact. It just maybe you could speak to us a little yeah, bit about that. Absolutely. Um, there's actually very little that goes on in government that you couldn't connect a lot of departments to. 
Um, so when we think about population growth, um, there's kind of two areas that would impact um, the fisheries and aquaculture sector. I mean, one is there uh, are the uh, employment opportunities, the job opportunities. Uh, a lot of folks will come from other countries where they were in the fishing sector. Um, they bring a lot of interesting uh, thoughts and ideas and insights on how to how to impact and how to maybe do better some of the things that we do here in Nova Scotia. So there are lots of really great uh, employment opportunities that way. And Ava raises a really great point about when you think about so you know compliance and enforcement and and how you know somebody from a country might have experienced that very differently uh, in another country. And, and so how does that look and how does that make them feel uh, when they're having that experience here? The second part of it is people got to eat. <laughs> they got to eat. <laughs> and so, you know, Nova Scotia needs to be able to be self-sustained in feeding Nova Scotians. We've got a big, hairy, audacious goal for 2060 to have doubled our population. Population growth does not exist in a bubble. Everything has to move along with that. And fisheries is no different. It's remarkable, the opportunities that are are here at hand, really. And, uh, and yet thinking about all the challenges that come with that and how... As we create a solution, have we created a problem? And then how do we solve that? And to the greater good, it's a very, interest, very interesting to think about. And April, really through your career, you've had an opportunity to work with a wide range of employers and, and helped workplaces become more diverse and, and inclusive. I wonder if you could share with us in your experience, when organizations actually live those values, how does that create or contribute to a safe work environment. Yeah, the the connectivity between diversity, inclusion, and safety, uh, on the surface, you may not necessarily see them connected, but they're actually quite connected. Um, you know, when people feel, like I said, as though who they are matters and what they are, what they're doing matters, and that they can see what it is that they're doing and how it contributes to a, a broader or a larger um, goal. Um, I always talk about what matters in my department. You know, it really always boils down to the same thing. It's about what's the culture you're trying to create. And if safety is not at the top of the list, regardless of what sector and what kind of work that you're doing, if it's not at the top of the list, you're setting yourself up for, for some, some challenges. Well, I, I agree with April on the accountability piece. We're we're all um, we're all in this, and we all have to um, take our leadership roles seriously. Um, while April was talking, I was thinking about a change that we uh, recently made with one of our immigration streams. It's the Atlantic Immigration Program. That's the stream that allows employers to become designated to hire people from overseas. And it's just a faster way to bring in the workers that they can't find locally to do the work they need. And um, they, with the Atlantic Immigration Program um, in last January, it became a permanent program. It was piloted at first for, for five years. Uh, part of the permanent program, we require all um, employers to take a, a cultural um, orientation and program. Um, 
And we thought to ourselves, I wonder how this will go over. We ISANS delivers it for us and, and helped us develop it. And what we're finding is that employers are not only embracing the training, but they're asking if they can expand the training they're receiving to their other employees. And uh, this is leading, Shelley, into the area of psychological safety and, and mental health. But if people feel uh, safe and supported by their employer at work, um, then it just creates a, a, a culture where where uh, that's free of bullying and where people can do their best work um, and learn if they need to learn uh, what you know how how to perform in that that work environment. Uh, but to me, that part of the culture, and I think it's what I hear both of you saying, is that part of a workplace culture is really a top down start. For you, what do you think is the leader's role in making sure that workplaces are safe and welcoming? You know, I think it's it almost doesn't matter what culture you're trying to create. Um, I believe that leaders are oxygen for diversity, inclusion, uh, and and equity, and that is not to be taken lightly. Uh, leaders set the tone, drive the direction, and then we have got teams that execute. So clearly, um, we want. We want organizations to understand and know and act uh, in a way that puts safety first. And uh, Ava, I love your point about the psychological safety and the importance of that psychological safety. The person that doesn't feel psychologically safe doesn't come to work with the ability to do their best. And if you can't do your best, something's going to happen. We can't have that. So we really do need to be prioritizing that psychological safety as well as as the physical safety. And Ava, you and your team are doing all kinds of work in terms of supporting workplaces um, on being psychologically healthy and safe. Um, maybe you could share with us a, a little bit about what your department is doing. There are a few key priorities that can't be negotiated. And I would say safety is one of those overarching priorities that has to be front of mind all, all the time. Um, as a as a leader, one thing that we can do is really um, align with with um, best practices globally and, and nationally. And so we've already signaled Nova Scotia's support for Canada's ratification of International Labour Organizations Convention 190, which does address bullying and harassment in the workplace. So signaling to our team and to government and to all of our partners that this is a priority and, and we are aligning ourselves with best global practices in that regard. We're finding that many workplaces um, are having active discussions around workplace safety, um, including psychological safety. And I do see a leader's job is really um, let's raise the bar so that all workplaces have a minimum that is highly acceptable to everyone. So what is that minimum? Bring everyone up to that. There will be companies that have the resources, money and personnel that have HR offices and whatnot who can exceed. And, and in fact, we'll be competing with the best anyway in, in Canada and the world. But we want a workplace to have a minimum acceptable standard that all Nova Scotians, whether they're from abroad or, or raised, born and raised here, feel like they're safe and they can do their work and they don't have to be afraid. 
and uh, and they feel like they can thrive. And uh, I feel like it, it's my job to ask the questions and to to make sure that um, the direction that we're going in just uh, simply does that. Well, I think that you you simply have to care about people, right? This is a very simple concept. As a leader, you have to care about your people. They have to matter. And how they are impacted, how they feel, how how they experience the workplace needs to matter to you as a leader. And I, I want to take this opportunity um, to really broaden this conversation to be inclusive of mental health safety in the workplace as well. And so I think that as a leader, understanding that you want people to show up as their best selves and to know that they're working for an employer who's got their back and wants them safe, wants them to come back day in and day out. Um, whether you're doing something that is a repetitive type of, of exercise or something that is, is much more, you know, has more of a danger element to it. Or if it is more around your mental health and ensuring that um, we're providing resources and opportunities for your mental health to be um, just as strong and just as safe as your physical health. And I know, Shelley, from the work that you and your colleagues are doing at WCB, um, some very innovative thinking along the lines of how can we how can we support all workers to stay safe in all the ways that it means to stay safe at work. And for those who are injured, how can we help them recover and get back to work faster? And I, I feel like we're in the right space for um, really promoting that culture of safety and that culture of um, return to work safely sooner. But um, thinking back even to when I started in the workplace, let's say it was 35 years ago. Um, you remember let's, people let's just say, people are we just making up numbers now? <laughs> <laughs> let's just say we're making up a number. Um, but people smoked in offices. Remember that? I remember that. I remember, I remember being that. in an office with someone who smoked and being shocked. Like, just, I don't smoke. What am I doing in this office? And not, not daring to complain because I was afraid I'd lose my job as a the newest hire. You know, I feel we may not feel like we're making um, change in leaps and bounds, but just think of that generation of workers has moved from, it's okay to smoke in the workplace and the, the newest member doesn't get to complain, to, um, to today where we are much more uh, aware of the need for um, supportive and inclusive environments and allowing people to bring their best selves to work. I have to confess, I was one of those smokers in the workplace. So was I, Shelley. <laughs> oh, a, a while ago. Oh, no. I'm a relatively polite person. I kind of can't believe I did that now. I know, but me too. No, I, there you go. I didn't that see it. That shows the evolution. That I didn't see it. And yeah. look what I see today. Yeah. I see well, such hope. Right? Shelley, in our defense, there was a time when we didn't really think smoking was that bad for you. That's true. Right. right. Maybe I'll use that. But. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I feel like we've, we have come a long ways in a generation. And I'm just jumping ahead to uh, my kids' generation. I have three kids who have just entered the workforce. Let's see how how their work environment changes over the their time in the the workplace. And um, I do feel like I'm excited by the fact that I can feel the momentum. Absolutely, it makes me feel very hopeful. And I I too, when I think about um, the 
the generation of people who are starting work today, I am very hopeful at what they are bringing, their thinking, and and a lot of the same things we talked about. So, Deputy Howe and Deputy Zappale, I want to thank you very much for joining us here today. Um, it's been an interesting conversation, and and we're really grateful uh, to have both you and your teams as partners with the WCB. Together, we are stronger and uh, and an important partnerships for us as we continue this important important work. So, thank you, thank you very much for coming in today. Thank you, Shelley. Thanks, Shelley. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to WorkShift, a podcast from the Workers' Compensation Board of Nova Scotia. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at worksafeforlife.ca.